Blog Talk Radio. Man, it was real cool in school If we got good grades, I trade up A's The parents were taken to a 76 game I got my game and there ain't no shame Big shots of Mo Cheeks and Moses Malone Julius Serber called Philly is home Bobby Jones, Daryl Dawkins, and Tony Sinkin' Freeze Rocky Bobo will come from South Philly But if you wanna make it on time to the show There's only one road that you really have to know So get to Fishtown without all that job I suggest that you drive on I-95 Wanna get downtown but feeling in the fix Get on that road, they call 676 the most expensive, expensive piece of interstate. They ever made the fellas ain't famous, but they got good game. Someone had taught, like, got that made, and I was, I had to snap a picture of it, and, 
<laughs> document the fact that for <clears throat> however many six games or however many he played that there was someone that uh you know felt felt worthy of him getting a jersey. You got to wonder if they have a jersey if they're just like a big JaVale McGee fan and they have a jersey from uh each and every one of his stops like hanging up on their wall and he decided to take the <laughs> pictures one down for Made in America. The biggest JaVale fan there is. So. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean uh, the rest of the summer, you know, it was great for me as well. I got to do some traveling almost every weekend uh, here in September. I was in Montreal last week for five days, and, you know, I'll tell you, I, I saw a lot more basketball jerseys and posters than I was expecting surrounding the NBA. And, you know, it, it really seems like basketball is getting bigger in Canada, you know, with the likes of Aaron Nixauskas and uh, Rookie of the Year Andrew Wiggins kind of making a name for themselves. And, uh, you know, as well as the Raptors, obviously, you know, their resurgence as a franchise has been awesome to watch. Um, But, you know, another Canadian prospect who hasn't found quite as much, you know, success in the NBA so far, uh, former 2013 number one pick, Anthony Bennett. Um, You know, Bennett, as most of us already know, was bought out by the the Timberwolves after averaging, you know, 5.2 points and 3.8 rebounds in just uh, 15 minutes per game last season for the T-Wolves. And, uh, you know, if the Sixers want him and they're reportedly, you know, taking a close look at whether or not they do or not, uh, they'd have first dibs on him off the waiver wire, and they have enough money, obviously, to bring him in as well. Um, But, you know, the Trailblazers are said to have the most interest in him right now due to uh, the Canadian national team coaches, Jay Triano and David Vanterpool being on the Blazers staff and, you know, having ties to the UNLV product there. Um, Mike, this is kind of unheard of for, you know, a number one pick to be bought out this early in his career. Do you think that Bennett still has, you know, the the ability to turn things around here? And do you think the Sixers should kind of take on that journey? Yeah, it is. It is unprecedented. I remember I read, I mean, I was reading a whole bunch of uh, uh, articles about it. It said it's only happened, you know, maybe a handful of other times in the history of the league where, uh, you know, a rookie doesn't even make it through the end of his, uh, you know, rookie scale contract. And in Bennett's case, he lasted only two years, um, you know, one with each team before getting bought out. Uh, I personally think that he, you know, I would imagine he, he can still be turned into a serviceable NBA player, you know, in the right system. He wasn't the number one pick for no reason. Uh, I mean, obviously, it was, a, it was a reach by the Cavs, and now looking back, it's easy to say it was a bad pick. And uh, I'm pretty sure no other team, you know, in, in the top ten that year even had him targeted. Uh, you know, if he, if he wasn't picked there, he probably would have been, a, you know, a mid to late team selection realistically. And then, you know, expectations for his career would be totally different. So, no, I mean, at this point, he'll – probably historically go down as one of the worst number one uh you know it might be sort of like a Kwame Brown situation where no matter what you know he does going forward he's just going to be remembered as the guy that was a number one pick and and a bust which uh you know it's unfortunate for him because technically he still could you know he's 22 years old and he has some talent you know he has a mid-range jumper he has some athleticism for his size you know he can rebound uh decently well I mean there's there's some some good there Obviously, there's a lot of negatives and things that he needs to work on, which is, you know, why he's been with two teams and now find himself on the market. But uh, as far as the Sixers' interest in him, I mean, it makes sense. I think a lot of people have noted that it kind of fits in with Hinkie's whole, 
you know, buy low approach on young talent that's kind of been washed out elsewhere and is looking for a, you know, a final kind of shot at to prove their worth and get stick on in the league somewhere. From so from that perspective it fits. Uh the the main thing would just be the money. Um you know, I know he'd be owed somewhere around like six million. Uh and it, it just comes down to whether, you know, the Sixers have a lot of remaining flexibility still heading into the season uh, up to the deadline. And, uh, you know, you'd think they'd want to keep that open for maybe a larger scale move um, later on down the line unless, you know, if, if they really like Anthony Bennett. As, you know, there was rumors last year, um, you know, you and I both talked about it um, back then during the uh, – around the Sad Young trade. One of the reports was that the uh, Bennett was going to be coming back to Philly um, and, you know, the team had some interest in him. And, like I said, it, it makes sense, but it, it's really just a – situation of is it worth the cost for the Sixers um, you know if they value him that much as a prospect and think, and think they can turn him into something serviceable if, um, and it might be a good situation for him you know with the other young players around that are in a similar situation just trying to you know develop and get better and stick out stick in the league um, so yeah it really just comes down if they want to you know spend money on Anthony Bennett or kind of just keep the books clear um, up from another player uh, what do you what's your view on the on the move for the Sixers? Yeah, I will say they they kind of missed the boat on on getting Anthony Bennett. I, I feel like that sad trade was the perfect time to to kind of bring him in here and, and develop him a little bit more in our system. But now with kind of Rashawn Holmes taking on that that similar role as a big man who can you know step outside and and shoot the ball a little bit as well, I just don't see the the fit for him. I mean, I've I've been watching a lot of tape of him recently. I haven't really gotten a chance to see him since college. And, uh, you know, he's definitely slimmed down since last season. And uh, he has a bit more athleticism than I was expecting. You know, he kind of has those almost shack dunks down low where, you know, he goes up with two hands and kind of slams them down out of nowhere. And uh, I like that about him. I, I like that he has some touch from the outside, you know, shooting the ball from the three-point line. I like that he seems confident in his abilities. I just think that there's, you know, plenty more uh, learning to do. And with the Sixers seemingly already having, you know, a lot of those players on the roster that kind of fit that description at power forward, I just don't see them biting on a claim. Um, But, hey, I mean, he averaged 15.6 points, four rebounds for Team Canada in the Pan Am games this summer. And, I mean, by all accounts, he outplayed Andrew Wiggins there. I mean, do you think he might just be that kind of buy low, sell high type player Hinky's always looking for? I mean, he does seem to fit that description perfectly. And like you said, I mean, he's shown shown signs, um, especially his athleticism. Uh, there was one dunk specifically in Summer League uh, last year, I remember. He, he came down the lane, and I thought, you know, maybe a floater or a layup, and he kind of just rose up and dunked on. Uh, I don't even you know, someone was underneath him. I thought, wow, well, you know, if he did that more consistently, people would be talking about him more. And, uh, you know, but you also mentioned it, too. The front court here is already kind of crowded. It would be different if he was, a you know, a backcourt player, like, a you know, a shooting guard or something where the team's not necessarily as deep as it is in the front court, but along with the guys that we know are going to be on the team, like, you know, Noel and Okafor and Covington, Jeremy Grant, um, you know, there's other guys that you mentioned like Holmes uh, that are going to be there competing for time in the front court. The team would play a similar role, but I mean, it's a situation where it could go either way. Like it it does make sense for the team to do it um, as far as, you know, 
it would be probably one of the better situations for him. Kind of just like Nick Nick Stauskas uh, coming over this year. You know, obviously he wasn't, uh, you know, kind of underwhelming last year's rookie season in Sacramento after being a lottery pick. And it's kind of just going to be a fresh start for him in Philadelphia in a new system without, uh, you know, any expectations from really coaching coaches or teammates as far as performance and production or, you know, even uh, record-wise. And, you know, Bennett, Bennett could probably benefit from a very similar situation. Um, although you would think it was, it was kind of similar last year in Minnesota for him with a lot of young talent around him that wasn't expected to make the, uh, you know, they weren't expected to do much. But the Sixers are just have so much focus on young player development at this point right now that you would have to think it would be, uh, you know, probably one of the ideal situations for Bennett to land anywhere in the league. Um, and, you know, it just it really comes down to how much they value him as a prospect and think, you know, they really think that he could contribute to the team going forward. I don't think they would take a flyer on him if they thought, uh, we'll try him out and, you know, maybe get rid of him at the deadline or something like that. Like, if, if they do take, uh, you know, bring him in, I would have to think that it would be that they because they think that, you know, they could make him a serviceable player going forward past just this year. Yeah, I mean, moving on from Bennett, uh, you know, let's talk about the Sixers' current roster here. Uh, the thing that's kind of been looming over the team all the way back to February when uh, Michael Carter-Williams was traded is still looming here, uh, the team's point guard situation. You were the first to report the team's interest in Kendall Marshall, uh, who they locked up to a four-year deal. Uh, Brett Brown just said Wednesday that Tony Roden will likely miss the start of the season uh, Keith Pompey reported that Marshall uh, will likely also uh, have a similar timeline there. Uh, so as of right now, does Pierre Jackson get the start of the point? And kind of unlike Roden and Marshall, he'll uh, be with the team practicing throughout training camp and preseason, barring injury. I don't really see TJ McConnell or Scotty Wilbekin making this team. And Isaiah Cannon might just kind of make this team due to injuries uh, at the position currently. But uh, what's your take on the whole situation? Yeah, it's definitely interesting. As you mentioned, it, it goes all the way back to, to February when they traded MCW, who was, you know, obviously viewed by some as the franchise point going forward. And ever since then, they've kind of just, you know, brought people in and out to try out the position, uh, you know, like a, a turnstile style, uh, you know, bringing as many guys as they can. Um, you know, injuries aside, when you look at the the guys, the point guards going to camp, my gut reaction of who I think would make the team would be, as you mentioned, I think it would be Roten, Kendall Marshall, who they just brought in, and Pierre Jackson. Um, but all three of those guys are coming off of an injury. So, you you know, you have to wonder, you don't know when Roten's going to be available. You don't know exactly when Kendall Marshall's going to be available. Although, you know, what I've heard that he's, he's should looking like he'll be ready to go, if not, you know, very early in the season, mid-November, late November. Um, but you know, there's all three coming off an injury, and then, like you said, that might they that might make them want to consider bringing back a guy like Cannon, who will kind of just back in his way in the lineup based off of you know they need someone out on the floor. Um, I don't know if they would bring him back otherwise. You know, he kind of he he had his run with the team last year. I think they saw what he could do one way or another. Um, you know, he can obviously shoot the ball and space the floor very well, but um, you know that's that's pretty much the all you can really bring to a team. So it depends on how much they really value that. I would think uh, as a, if they would bring him back for a second run. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, Pierre will be the one that'll be ready, you know, to, to practice with the team in preseason and whatnot. So it's looking like potentially right now he, he might be the opening night starter, uh, which is definitely interesting. You know, it's a guy they really like last summer and it's kind of like a redemption story. You know, he got injured and fought and came back and rehabbed and got signed again this summer. And, you know, it, it would be interesting if he was the team's opening night starter and it's looking like it could potentially be that way. Yeah, and, you know, everyone looks to Marshall's 2013-14 season with the Lakers where he averaged 8 points and 8.8 assists. But, you know, he also had 2.8 turnovers a game. Uh, as you mentioned, he's coming off the ACL tear as well. Um, but the difference between him and Roden, I mean, Roden is definitely fit. You know, he almost has breakaway speed driving to the basket. Marshall's just not that guy at all. You know, I, I'm not really sold, even if healthy, Marshall is definitely the guy to start a point guard. Um, if I'm Coach Brown, you know, sticking with Jackson to start, um, probably, you know, going with Froden once he's healthy and kind of easing Marshall into the offense. Offense, But what do you think of, uh, you know, that whole situation, Mike? Yeah, I mean, that, that makes sense. And it also depends on exactly where they want to play Roten. I mean, you know, he played both point guard and shooting guard last year. Uh, you know, he played off guard a lot when Mike was uh, the starting point guard, and he showed that, you know, you can take the ball to the basket and kind of slash, and he kind of excelled in that role. But at the same time, you know, his limited shooting ability makes it difficult to play there. So, I mean, if you're if you're looking for, to play Roten at point guard, he's, you know, probably the most explosive and experienced in the system. Um you know, if, if they were already on opening night, that would be my guess that, that Roten would be the starter. But since that's not the situation, I would probably, you know, as you as you said, I'd probably go with Pierre. Um, and once Roten's back, bring him in and kind of ease Marshall into the system. Uh, you know, Marshall, he, he's definitely a natural passer. He's kind of obviously shown that anywhere he's gone. He was, uh, you know, he was great in North Carolina, which is when, you know, I first remember hearing and watching him play. Uh you know, his ability to distribute the ball, I think, will definitely fit in well with the Sixers. It makes sense. You know, I, I thought it made sense all the way since he was back on the, um, you know, in Delaware on, in the D League last year. Um, you know, I, I thought that maybe that they should consider bringing him up and give him, giving him a chance. His skill set definitely meshes with, uh, you know, the team and what they're trying to do, especially now when there's, you know, there's a couple actual pieces that are going to need the ball distributed to them. And, you know, in Okafor and Noel and MD, if he ever comes back, Covington, some guys that can definitely score. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it all depends on, I guess, how quickly he can get acclimated to the system and when he really gets ready from injuries. Um, you know, the, they, the injuries, the fact that all three of them are coming off of it really kind of throws a wrench in, in the whole thing. And then, uh, you know, I don't think anyone's really considering Scotty Wilbekin or, you know, as you mentioned, T.J. McConnell as legitimate options. Um, you know, they'll be they'll be good camp competition, uh, you know, make, make the, uh, you know, make the guys work hard and whatnot, but I don't think anyone's really considering them as potential, potentially, you know, roster guys going into the season. I think it would, the conversation ends with, uh, you know, the three we mentioned and potentially Cannon. Um, but yeah, that'll, I think that'll be certainly the most interesting aspect of uh training camp when it gets underway next week and like, definitely something to pay attention to. Once again, this is uh, the 76ers Report podcast. I'm here with Jeff McMenamin alongside Michael Katsky blumain And, you know, another interesting quote from Brett Brown Wednesday uh, was saying that small forward spot is uh, Robert Covington's to lose. Uh, we all figured it would be Covington to start at the three, but obviously Hollis and Jeremy Grant can play the three if needed as well. Uh, do you think it was the right move by Brown to kind of announce this before training camp? 
Yeah, I do. Uh, I think, you know, as you mentioned, I think we all assumed that I would have been surprised if it had went otherwise. And honestly, I do think it's a good move because I think, uh, you know, I think that'll do nothing but just instill confidence in Covington, who will be, you know, coming into his first full season with the Sixers. And, uh, you know, we were all, it was, you know, Sam got him for nothing off the scrap heap last year. And I think we were all pretty impressed by what he brought to the team. Um, you know, obviously his shooting alone, like his his three point shooting, he made uh, you know 167 of them last year. But as the season went on, I think you saw you know just more confidence in him as an offensive player growing. He took the ball to the basket a little more, was a little more assertive. So you know, I think a whole summer, um, you know, working on his game and now going into camp as you know this the starting guy, knowing having that role and being motivated to you know just step up in the spot. I think that will really help. Um, you know, help his confidence. And if that's who they were going to go with anyway, there's really, you know, there's no reason not to announce it. Um, really the, the only other guy there, um, I, I, you know, you put it, could have potentially considered would be, you know, Jeremy Grant, as you mentioned, uh, I think Brett said that he plans for Jeremy to come off the bench and play, you know, a couple of different positions, which is kind of what I expected. He can, you know, he's a great, a versatile guy. I, I've, I've compared him to Iggy before just in the fact that, something exactly like that, you know, he could come in on the bench and he could really play the three, the four, he could even, you know, guard a two guard um, if you need him to, he'll kind of be like a utility guy coming off the bench. And, uh, you know, I, I like Covington paired next to uh, Noel and Okafor too. Obviously it's, he's probably the team's best deep, deep threat. Well, you know, Stauskas there now too, both of them. And, uh, you know, he has size too. So it's just like a, you know, a very, a very sizable front court and, uh, you know, his shooting combined with Okafor's, you know, low post offense and Noel's defense. And hopefully, uh, you know, Noel's improvement on his shot will make a difference. And I, I think that's just a good, you know, a combination for the front court. And, uh, I'm pretty excited to see what Covington does this year, you know, as the full-time starter with the, with the full off season with the team and a year under his belt in the system. I think, uh, you know, I think a lot of people started to pay attention to Covington last year toward the end of the season. I think, you know, there's potential for this to be a, a really big year for him. Yeah. I mean, no question Covington earned it based off the of last season, but, you know, in terms of announcing it, I, I feel like, you know, it could have been done closer to the preseason uh, you know, after training camp here. I mean, you said Jeremy Grant might have the opportunity to start at some point at the three. See, I'm looking at Hollis. I mean, Hollis had a rough year last year, but, you know, he had that respiratory infection that kind of hurt him for most of the year. You know, he was out for about a month, and uh, even when he got back, he had lost about 20 pounds due to the illness. So, you know, by the end of the season, he was starting to look like, you know, Hollis from last summer. Um, I believe he averaged like 13 and 8 in that uh, summer league. But, uh, you know, could this be the year we see Hollis kind of truly break out as a player and, you know, maybe also overtake Covington at the three? I hope so, to be honest with you. I mean, Hollis at this point is pretty much the team's uh, <clears throat> like longest standing veteran. You know, he's been around for, um, you know, since the Hinky took over before the 2013-14 season. And I, I think, you know, we all like him as, as a, you know, as a guy, he's very personable and sociable, super nice, uh, you know, easy to talk to. He's a good teammate and everything. But, you know, I feel like this year is kind of make or break for him. As you mentioned, you know, he, he did struggle with, uh, you know, the respiratory thing last season. He never really got his feet under him until kind of later in the year. But, uh, 
you know, I feel like he's had two seasons in the system and he hasn't necessarily, uh, you know, excelled. He's looked good at different points, but it's been inconsistent. I think he, I think this year he will have the opportunity to, you know, prove himself. I don't know if necessarily overtake Covington for the starting spot unless, you know, Covington underperforms in a way that I don't think any of us want to, want to see from him. Hopefully, you know, Covington plays well and holds on to that spot. Um, but I think, you know, Hollis is a guy coming off the bench to, to provide offense and, you know, maybe demonstrate what he could do. Or you could even potentially look at him at the two. You know, I think some people are assuming it's going to be Stauskas, but I think it'll take him a while to get acclimated to the system. Hollis is a guy that's been in it and could, you know, is familiar with multiple positions and you could slide over at the two spot, and you know, alongside Pierre Jackson and Hollis and uh, Covington if you wanted to do that. But, uh, you know, I think this year will, like it does for Covington, I think it will provide a big opportunity for Hollis that, uh, you know, he needs to kind of take advantage of. But uh, what do you think about him, you know, maybe seeing some time at the two-yard spot this season? Yeah, I could see that. I mean, he's he's started a lot of games for this team. Um, Brett Brown obviously is very high on him. Um, he's only said nice things about Hollis, you know, throughout his tenure, how hard of a worker, worker he is and, um, you know, he, he always wishes the best for Hollis uh, to perform well. You know, a lot of expectations coming into the season and obviously got derailed by that uh, sickness. But I, I really think that, you know, this could be one of Hollis's breakout years here and he could really make a name for himself, um, kind of like Covington did last year if he's healthy for the whole season and, um, you know, really puts in the work. Obviously, he's also one of the, the biggest shooting threats on the team as well. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see kind of what role develops for Hollis here. Um, you know, he definitely has the talent to take it to the next level, but we'll see if, uh, you know, that actually comes to fruition. Um, but one of the other topics kind of surrounding the team heading into training camp, I mean <laughs> – what the hell happened to Jordan McRae, Mike? Uh, we go from thinking he might start to, you know, reportedly not making the training camp roster. I mean, no question we've seen his abilities shooting from the perimeter, but he struggled mightily in summer league. Are you surprised that the team, you know, has seemed to gave up on him here already? Uh, I was more surprised by his performance at summer league. Uh, as, as you mentioned, I, or way early, you know, was, I, I mentioned him as a potential, you know, taking over that two two guard spot to start the season because, you know, it's it's pretty vacant. It was there for the taking. But uh, you know, I think he really I think he kinda underperformed in summer league. I think people were looking to see a kind of like, you know, development in his game and he kinda just looked a lot like the Jordan McRae from last year where he was, you know, kinda taking ill fated shots and kinda driving recklessly, not playing necessarily great defense or anything like that. Um and, you know, I think the team just thought maybe they could, you know, value look look at other options at that spot. Uh, you know, McCray hasn't said anything in the media it, you know, in a long time. Um, I know a couple of editors have reached out to him to try to talk to, you know, to get a, a call from him or whatnot. He has uh I don't know if you follow his Twitter account, um, or not if you if you've ever seen it, but he's uh tweeted out a couple couple messages recently that basically portray that he's not necessarily the happiest. He said something the other day about the past year really trying on his patience. A couple, maybe like a week or two ago, sometime at night, he tweeted something about being uh, frustrated. And then, uh, you know, there's a few things that, you know, show that obviously something, he wasn't happy with something. I think, uh, you know, I think he wanted to be on the team and they're kind of trying to, you know, do something similar to last year's 
uh, situation where he, he, you know, turns down the the offer because, they, you know, he thinks it's too low and ends up playing overseas somewhere, but the team retains his rights, basically. So, you know, he he gets to play and develop because if they don't think he's ready for the, you know, to play in the NBA yet on someone else's, um, you know, someone else's roster and not taking up their spot or their money. So, you know, I think that's kind of what the team wanted to happen. And uh, I, I guess McCray, my guess is that he's frustrated by the situation. Uh, you know, it hasn't been officially announced yet that he won't be at training camp. Um, but, you know, I don't expect to see him there. I think my guess is that they'll try to do, you know, something similar to his situation last year. Um, but, yeah, what do you think about the whole McCray situation? Man, I was shocked to learn that Arsalan Kazemi was getting a training camp invite and not Jordan McCray. I mean, yeah. Obviously, like, you know, Arsalan Kazemi is not going to make the, the Sixers' final 15. It's just not going to happen. Where, you know, Jordan McCray, if, like, he overperforms, like you kind of saw in the D League last year, you know, he has a legitimate shot of, you know, making the team as a backup shooting guard. So, I mean, I just don't really get the move by the Sixers. Even J.P. Takoto at camp over McCray, but – you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. I, I mean, you know, maybe he said something to Sam Hinkie or, you know, maybe he said something to Brett Brown. I don't really know what's going on in, in the background here, but I just found it really odd, you know, the, the moves they made in terms of bringing Kazemi and Takoto in and not McRae. Um But, yeah, I mean, we'll see what happens in, in the next week or so. It's not, you know, written in stone yet, so uh, things could change. Um but, you know, it remains to be seen. And, uh, you know, right now the Sixers starting five at the moment, you know, it seems to be looking like Pierre Jackson, Nick Stauskas, Robert Covington, Nerlens, and Okafor. Um, does that sound, you know, right to you for now, Mike? Yeah, it does. I mean, at least especially the, I think the front court's pretty much set in stone um, as what you just said, Okafor, Noel, and then Covington at the three. Uh, and, you know, we, we discussed the point guard position. Uh, it might be Pierre Jackson's by default, uh, you know, for opening night as he might be the only guy that's, you know, ready to go fully um, off of injuries. So, yeah, it would be Pierre. The two guards still it's the only spot. I mean, you, like I said, I, I think Nick is a guy that a lot of people are thinking. But, uh, you know, Brett referenced it. He, he has a long way to go, and I think he does. Um, you know, he, he's obviously a good shooter, and he has, um, you know, good offensive traits. But I think to really get – get to the level where he could play consistently, especially on, you know, on the defensive end to the level that the Sixers had begun to perform last year where they were, you know, an above average defense in the league to have, you know, a starting shooting guard be, you know, subpar defensively won't, wouldn't work. I think, uh, you know, I think Nick definitely has his work cut off for him to become a, you know, a legitimate player uh, in the system. And that that's the only thing that potentially I could see, as we were just talking about a guy like Hollis potentially starting on opening night at the two spot, and then they bring Nick in off the bench. Um, but otherwise, I mean, that, that two guard, that two spots, the only, the only thing, I guess Nick would probably be the most likely unless, uh, you know, if they felt like he wasn't ready, I could see them potentially looking elsewhere, at least at the beginning with, uh, you know, potentially a guy like Hollis until, uh, you know, Nick kind of finds his rhythm and, you know, works with the team a little bit and then potentially gets a, a bump up to the starting spot. Yeah, and obviously, you know, Jakar and, and Tony could be in the mix at the two as well. But uh, what players are you kind of looking at for, like, you know, the biggest improvements between training camp and the start of the season, Like, 
Uh, Jakar Sampson's a guy that's just been, you just mentioned him. He's been just going up uh, in, in like my eyes. I was real low on him. Uh, you know, initially when the team brought him in, I didn't really see the value in him. Just throughout, he's hard. He plays hard and he brings, brings it every night. He's super athletic and, you know, he can take the ball to the basket, sometimes make a shot. Uh, you know, I'd like to see an improvement from him because I think, you know, he's a guy that has a skill set that the team could really use. Uh, I'm excited to see, you know, how, how he's developed going into the season. Same, uh, you know, Hollis Thompson is another guy that I, I'm excited to see his development because I think it's kind of a, you know, I, I touched on it before, I think it's kind of a make-or-break season for him as far as, uh, at least with the Sixers, you know, I think he has a big opportunity this year to at least, you know, prove what he, what he could do. So I'm excited to see, uh, you know, his development. And, uh, you know, I think in general everyone is just kind of excited to see the, the big two, I mean, Noel uh, Keith Pompey uh, from the Inquirer had the, had an excellent article. Uh, you know, I think it was the beginning of this month about Noel, you know, going up this summer uh, and to Rhode Island and working and completely restructuring his shot. Uh, you know, and pretty much eliminating his left hand. So you know, um, just doing uh, you know working off on his offensive game to complement what he was you know able to do defensively. So I think, uh, you know, a lot of people are really excited to see that come to fruition uh, on the court. You know, no one's seen Noel really play since last April. And then, obviously, you know, our big acquisition, um, big judge, Alil, um, just really excited to see, finally, like, actually see him out on the court for the Sixers and see what he brings to, uh, you know, to the NBA level. We all He dominated high school. He dominated college. Uh, you know, he has you know, tons of potential and excited to see him actually, you know, out on the court and see how he fares against the NBA Cup. Um, what about you? What are you looking forward to, in, you know, after camp and heading into the season? Yeah, for strictly, you know, from camp to the regular season, uh, I'm looking at Pierre Jackson, number one. I mean, we'll see how he can handle the point guard duties with extended minutes. And uh, Rashawn Holmes is another guy. I think he could play a big role in terms of stretching the floor, stretching the floor as a four. Um, you know, they haven't really had that since, I guess, Spencer Hawes, who could really, you know, take the ball to the outside and, and shoot it a little bit. So, um, yeah, I mean, those two are probably the main guys in my eyes. Uh, obviously, Jakar Sampson should play a big role. Jeremy Grant should play a big role. And, uh, you know, their development is obviously huge to the team's success as well. So, I mean, those four guys, uh, I think they have the most to prove. Uh, Hollis Thompson, obviously, too, um, in terms of just, you know, recovering from that injury, putting in the pass, and uh, I guess not injury, but illness, and just really, you know, turning a new leaf over in his career. So, uh, you know, those four, I think, are the main guys in my eyes. Um, but, I mean, you know, our time's almost up here. And I just wanted to touch on, you know, this very sad month for Sixers fans. Uh, we lost Daryl Dawkins back on August 27th, Moses Malone shortly after on September 13th. And, you know, I've had the chance to talk and interview both of them. And you can't, you know, ask for better people to represent this organization. I mean, they both played with heart, did so many amazing things for the communities and the Sixers community as a whole. Is it time, Mike, to kind of reopen the idea of sending, you know, Moses' number two into the raft, into you know the Raptors finally? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I, it's unfortunate that it, it would have had to take that, but I think, you know, there would be no title in '83 without you know Moses come in and 
you know, I don't know if it's maybe just because he, he didn't play necessarily, you know, the bulk of his career with the Sixers or why he's not necessarily remembered up there with some of the other Sixers legends. But, uh, you know, he was one of the NBA's 50 greatest players and, and an icon um, and absolutely, you know, critical for the, that last Sixers championship team, uh, you know, happened just before we were born, unfortunately. So we're still waiting for another one. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I'm in full agreement that his number should be up there. And uh, it was strange just listening to the uh, the intro to our podcast here. Um, you know, our intro song, they mentioned uh, both both Moses Malone and Daryl Dawkins. Um, so, uh, you know, it's definitely it was definitely a tough summer for the Sixers uh, in that regard. Uh, I think their organization does a really good job, though, of, uh, you know, keeping their uh, – you know, keeping their past players and legends close and, uh, you know, associated with team. Um, so, you know, I think that, you know, they did a good job, uh, you know, respecting both of, you know, both of their passings. And uh, they'll obviously be remembered for, you know, years and generations to come for what they did for the game, both on and off the floor. Yeah, I mean, Moses averaged 20.3 points and 12.3 rebounds for his career. I mean, that's unfathomable. Yeah. In today's NBA, you know, Charles Barkley credits most of his success to Moses. I mean, he called him dad due to kind of his caring nature and getting him started in, you know, his younger days on the Sixers. Uh, He only played for the Sixers for five years, but those were, you know, great years, which included an NBA title, an MVP award, NBA Finals MVP award. I mean, there's no better time than now to finally retire it at a switch. You know, they could have done it while he was still alive. Um, Yeah, but yeah, I think that's it for today's show. Mike, this was fun. It was great to be back. Uh, You know, that's all we have today for this edition of uh, the 76ers report, but thanks so much for tuning in. Uh, The basketball season is upon us. Training camp starts on Tuesday. And uh, we'll see you next time with uh, updates from training camp and more. All right, guys. Thanks. Man, it was real cool in school If we got good grades, I trade up A's The parents would take us to a 76 game I got my game and there ain't no shame Big shots of Mo Cheeks and Moses Malone Julius Serva called Philly is home Bobby Jones, Daryl Dawkins, and Tony Sinkin' Freeze Rocky Bobo will come from South Philly But if you wanna make it on time to the show There's only one role that you really have to know So get to Fishtown without all that job I suggest that you drive on I-95 Wanna get downtown but fit in the fix Get on that road, they call 676, the most expensive, expensive piece of interstate they ever made. The fellas ain't famous, but they got the game. Getting on, getting on, 76ers. Travel by me, this Larry Bird.